0: Morning, okay, if you've got your swords with you, um, 1 John chapter 3, um, 1 to 10, so the first two, the first 10 verses of chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him Purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one in no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. That is, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother.
1: Morning, friends. Sorry I'm late. You guys are very efficient over here. We are, we're dragging the chain at Gledswood Hills this morning. So you've had the Bible reading, that's excellent. <laughs> Keep your Bibles open at 1 John. Uh, that will be really advantageous to you. I'm going to pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to help us. Let's do that. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word that it's true, that it's good. We think of that you are just and loving. And we do thank you for your servant, John, who wrote this letter to the churches and to us. And we pray now you'll clear our minds from distractions and you'll soften our hearts to receive your word with thanksgiving. And then you will empower us by your Holy Spirit to put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I have a clicker? Sorry. Is there a, can I have a clicker? Can I drive? you haven't got my notes so that's going to be a bit tricky if you drive oh really okay well I might just give you a nod if it doesn't work So I've got two questions to start for you to ponder yeah right okay go to the next slide for me would you (laughs) here they are here's the two questions who are you and what do you do Who are you and what do you do? It's generally, it's it's top three of the two questions you get asked when you meet someone. You know, who are you? They don't really kind of ask who are you, but what do you do? And I think it's an important question to know and understand. I think it shapes our lives uh, very much. And so I want to ask you these two questions. And I want you to actually chat to your neighbour for a minute and think about that. If you haven't got a neighbour, just ponder it in your mind and your heart. Who are you and what do you do? All right, Ten more seconds. <clears throat> Three, two, one. All right. Often we um, we, uh, we answer that question. We answer the second question shaped by a job. Um, who are you? What do you do? I'm a. I'm a. I used to be. I used to be an electrician um, years ago. What do I do? I fix electrical faults. Um, but I think I wonder if this morning you're. Answer to these questions might change or be reframed uh, from God's word. So keep pondering those questions in your mind. And if there's time... Do you have question time at the end? No? No? Well, we can if you want, if there's time. You can tell me if there's time. There's probably not because I was running late. (laughs) Next slide. Thank you. Um, Who we are is firstly answered by seeing what God has done uh, for us. That's how we start to answer this question. We see in this passage today that God has outrageously lavished his love upon us. He has fire hosed us with his love. I actually did firefighter training for one day as part of a fire engineering diploma that I did. And I got to hold a fully boosted, 1,000 kPa, fully boosted fire hose. And it took about three of us to hang on to the hose. You know when you turn your garden hose on, you're not holding it? and it, that, 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 that can happen with a person on the end. Um, with a fully boosted fire hose. There's an incredible amount of force coming out of the hose. And that's the kind of love God has lavished on us, his people. A fully boosted fire hose worth of love has been lavished on us uh, by God, such as his immense love poured out on his children. If you look at me, um, look at verse 1 again with me and your Bibles. It's on the screen already. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are children of God. Next slide. We are children of the one who flung the stars into space. Just by speaking, God created our Milky Way galaxy, which is on the screen. And our Milky Way galaxy, they estimate, back. our Milky Way galaxy, they estimate, is one of two trillion galaxies in the universe, try and get hit around that and God made that just by speaking it into being I want us all to have a crack at something this morning I want you to think of something and try to create it just by speaking it into being in your hands make sure you don't think of something, don't say Ferrari because if it happens you'll drop it and break it (laughs) I'm going for chocolate muffin so everyone think of something you want to try and create in your hands, put your hands out And we'll do it together in one, two, three, chocolate muffin. Mine didn't work. Did anyone else's work? None of us, of course. We can't create things out of nothing. We're merely human beings, but God can. And God did. He created something out of nothing. He created the universe out of nothing. He created us as well. Our God is almighty, all-powerful, all-just, and all-loving. He's phenomenally powerful. And he decided, this great God, to make you and me his child. Why would he do that? Why would this phenomenally powerful, awesome God decide to make you and me his child? Any ideas? Why would he do that? Genuine question. He loves us. Yes, Bertie got it in one. Love. It's a love in which he takes all the initiative to make us his children. A love that gives lavishly and freely to us who are utterly undeserving. Next slide. When we contemplate our sin and rebellion against the background of God's unapproachable light, his total holiness we begin to sense something of John's wonder that he should ever bother with people like us. Why would he bother with people like us, small, sinful, rebellious people like me and like you? Why does God bother with us love? Because of love. It's the love of God that delights to change rebels into children who belong to his family. And not only does he give us his name, we are called children of God, it says in verse 1, but he gives us his status. We are children of God, verse 2. And as his children, we are his heirs. When you adopt someone into your family legally, they legally become entitled to all that you have, a portion of all that is yours and everything is God's and we have been adopted into God's family. It's not wishful thinking. It's not legal fiction. It's an eternal reality that we are adopted by God, co-heirs with Christ. All that is his has been made ours through Christ. We are his children, heirs to all that is his. It's a work of God. And our understanding of this is also a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not an earthly reality. This is this, this reality that we're our children of God is not an earthly reality. It's hard for us to get our head around. We can't get our head around it. We need the Holy Spirit in our hearts testifying of the love of Christ, testifying to the truth that we are children of God so that we can understand. It's through his word, it's through his Holy Spirit poured out that we can know for sure that we are children of God. And that's what John wants to achieve with this letter is that you may know Who you are. You may know what God has done for you. The God of all the universe has made us his children. We cannot understand this except by his word and by the spirit. No one can. And that is why the world does not know us in the same way that it did not know Jesus. The world does not know us, it doesn't Understand Christians, it can't understand Christians. And I wonder if this reminds you of the Gospel of John chapter 1. It's on the screen. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, and for the most part they despised and rejected him and eventually had him crucified because they didn't recognise him. They didn't recognise him as the son of God. They didn't recognise him... As the Messiah. I love the joke of the man with a teenage son, and the, the man's at work, and his teenage son's at home with his with his mum, and the teenage son's just his voice just broken recently, right? So it's got a lot deeper, and his father doesn't really realise this; he hasn't noticed, and he rings home to say good day to his wife on his lunch break, and his son answers the phone, and he ring, 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 ring. Yeah, hello. Who the hell is this? Dad, it's me. Don't lie to me. Get out of my house. I'm calling the cops right now. Dad, it's me. Oh, sorry, sorry mate. Sorry. <laughs> I recognise you for a minute. Can you put your mum on the phone? It's like that. You don't recognise your son because his voice is broken on the phone, perhaps, just like people don't recognise us who follow Jesus. They don't recognise us. So we must expect, as Christians... People aren't going to recognize that we're actually, we love them. We're actually for God. We're actually trying to love people in the world. People don't recognize this truth. Next slide. The world does not recognize Christians. They don't know and understand. And what we don't know and understand, we fear and we reject and we persecute and we even kill. Who are you? You who believe in Jesus are children of God. And unfortunately, the world will not see nor understand this until Jesus returns in glory. Next slide. With his angels. Only when Jesus returns will the world know and understand that we meant no harm. In fact, our stance against the evil of the world was good and came from the giver of life, friends, you must expect misunderstanding at best, rejection, and persecution at worst. You are children of God, why? Because of His great love for you, not because of anything we did, certainly not because of anything we need to do going forward. You don't need to earn God's love, you don't need to behave a certain way to retain God's love. God loves you, He loved you first in the first instance. For no good reason other than he's loving. You are loved by God. And you don't need to do anything in order to remain in his love. But as a consequence of his love, now that we are children of God, what is it that we do? Well, next point. Have you washed yourself? Have you washed yourself properly? Parents ask their kids that. Well, let's have a look at verse 3 and find out what it is we do. Verse 3 says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. What do we do? We wash ourselves. As Christians, we live the pure life, the holy life, that God has laid out before his children to live. If all of our future expectation is centred on Christ then we shall want to be as much like him as we can now and going on into the future. We want to live like Jesus if we're in Jesus, if we're God's people. If heaven's the destination, we must be travelling the road now that leads to heaven. And again, it's not about saving yourself from your sin. If you've got your Bible open, look at chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sin. It's just a matter of living life the way your brother Jesus did now that you're part of the family. You're part of the family of God. You live like the family of God lives. You purify yourself. It doesn't yeah, If your son hadn't showered for three days, you wouldn't kick him out of the family, would you? I hope you wouldn't kick him out of the family. You might kick him out of the kitchen if you're preparing dinner and he's a bit stinky. But you wouldn't kick him out of the family for being unclean, you would say, go wash yourself, would you? You stink. Um, but he's still part of the family. Christians, they get kicked out of the family for not living the holy life perfectly, but as Christians, we're called to live the pure life. It's our hope in Jesus, our certain hope of eternal life that motivates us to live like Jesus, to live holy and pure lives like he did. You might ask, well, if we're guaranteed we're going to heaven, why make the effort to live the pure life? I think it's like being a son in the family business. I chose this photo because they're electricians, like I was a long time ago. A long time ago. Now, if Mr Chavez, senior here, was a loving and hard-working father and he said to his son, son, one day you'll inherit my family business, assuming his son wanted to be an electrician, do you expect his son would just kick back and twiddle his thumbs because his future is assured. He's going to inherit the family business. Or out of love for his dad and motivated by his love's dad for him, do you think he'd work harder than anyone else in the business? Because he knows his future is assured and he loves his dad and is excited about the family business. He'd be the hardest working guy in the business, Surely. And he would proudly tell everyone he met about the business and see if they needed any fans installed or any electrical work done. Surely he would. As Christians, surely we're excited about the family business. We're motivated to live for him, to wash ourselves, to live the holy life because of God's great love for us, because our future is assured And that's motivating and that's exciting and that brings us joy to know where we're headed, to know the victory is won, to know that God is ours and we are his and the world around us may reject us and they will. They can't understand us. They can't. Even if they want to, without God's word and the Holy Spirit, they can't understand who we are. They can't understand how we live. They can't understand why we're in this school hall when it's freezing cold on a Sunday morning. It seems bonkers to most people. But our hope is assured. And we know the love of God for us, which has been hosed on us and still is. So what do you do? You purify yourself. You live a holy life just as your Lord and brother Jesus did just as your loving Heavenly Father has called you to do. Next point, final point, be who you are. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and that is what he did. Dying and rising again, he cleansed us from our sins so we might sin no more and instead live for him. He rescued us out of eternal death into eternal life. He rescues us from the lordship of the devil to the loving lordship of himself. We are now children of God. So John says to his listeners in these last verses, verses 4 to 10, be who you are. Now, verses 4 to 10 are really interesting. If you've got your Bible there, that'd be helpful. On the screen, we've got a table. Now, John's actually structured these verses into two parallel passages. So verses 4 to 7, 4 to 6, parallel verses 7 to 9, and then some in verse 10, verses. 7b and 10 are kind of like a summary verse. So verses 4 to 6, parallel verses 7 to 9. So 4 to 6 is that middle column, 7 to 9 is that right-hand column, and we're going to go through it. There's some interesting parallels. So we've got the parallel introduction and theme in verses 4 and 8. Verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Verse 8 The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. It's always been the devil's intention to sin and rebel against God and it still is and always will be. Everyone in the world sins from Adam to the newest born baby. We are all sinful. We all fall short of God's glory. We all do what we shouldn't and don't do what we should. And sin in essence is lawlessness. It's rebellion against God. It's not wanting to live his way like an outlaw doesn't want to live by the laws of the state. So a sinner doesn't want to live by the law of God. They want to live their own way and be their own king. Now, our culture tries really hard to excuse our sin, to put it down to cultural relativity or to put it down to, I've got personality issues and that's why I'm awful. We try to make up excuses for our sin, but in our heart of hearts, all human beings rebel against God's rule and grasp at self rule. But verse 8 makes clear there's no such thing as self rule. You are ruled by a loving God, or you are ruled by the devil. Everyone is ruled by either god or the devil there's no such thing as self-rule the devil is evil and a liar and a friend to no one he seeks only to deny what is good and tempt people into disbelief that god has lavished his love on them that god's love could actually be true that god's love could actually be freely available to us the devil convinces the world that this is a lie and people believe it. But God's love is indeed on offer through faith in his one and only Son and that's why Jesus came. Verse 5. But you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. Verse 8b. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to take away our sins, to wipe the slate clean. If you were to stand before God in a court of law, he would find no fault in you, no sin. Because all of your sin has been transferred onto Christ and died with him at the cross and it remains dead whilst he is risen. You are innocent of all wrongdoing. Through faith in Jesus, his righteousness is imputed to you, your sin to him. It was at the cross the devil laughed his heartiest and final laugh as he watched his greatest enemy die. And it was peering into the empty tomb, the devil's laughter turned to tears as he discovered he was defeated by Christ. Once and for all. And the devil prowls around like a roaring lion still, but he is toothless. He has no power in the face of Christ. No power in the face of God's people unless we give it to him. We live for Christ. And the devil is at bay because of him. We have victory over the devil. We have victory over sin through Christ. So it makes sense that John goes on to say in verse 6... No one who lives in him, that is Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. him. Verse 9, no one who's born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Followers of Jesus are without sin. Psalm 103 says that as far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Since there's no sin in Jesus, it logically follows there can be no sin in us either. If Christ was upright and blameless and we are in Christ, it follows that we too are upright and blameless, holy, set apart for God. But there's a problem, isn't there? What's the problem? We do sin. <laughs> we still sin, don't we? So what's going on here? No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. That's what it says. It says it right there on your page, right in front of you, in the Bible. We still sin. The Apostle Paul himself knew this struggle, and he wrote about it in Romans 7 on the screen. Paul wrote, By the power of the Holy Spirit... I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. Paul was saved when Jesus personally appeared to him on the road to Emmaus. He is the great apostle to the Gentiles, and he too struggled with sin until his dying breath. Saved, cleansed, forgiven, purified, still living in sinful flesh. Paul continued to sin, as do we. What was he to do? What are we to do? Well, Paul goes on in Romans 7 with the answer. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ continues to be our saviour day by day. Christ continues to mediate between us and the Father in heaven, our representative, the one who died for us. And the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is the desire to live a holy life. The desire to purify yourself, to live a godly life, to do what God wants you to do, to please him with your life. Will you get it right every day? No. Not perfectly. Believers fall into sin, but believers do not walk in sin. We walk the road that's leading us to heaven. We follow our Lord Jesus. And as we continue to live in sinful flesh, we will stumble from time to time. But the difference is we hate it when we sin and we repent of our sin. We say sorry and we know we're forgiven for our sins through Christ. The unbeliever sins willingly and happily and continually without any remorse. Look again at 1 John with me, verse 7 and 10. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. What do we do? What do Christians do? We live righteous lives. We have a right standing before God through faith in Jesus and we live that out day to day. We do our very best to live the family business, to live the godly life, the holy life, honouring God with our lives, loving others, even our enemies, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. We avoid the devil's temptations. We avoid people who seek to lead us astray. We live for Christ. We stumble at times. We say sorry and we continue to live for Christ, forgiven by him. Christians love others deeply in their church, in their family, in their street, in their workplace, even their enemies. That fire hose of love that we're drenched in, we then pass on to others around us. That's what we do as children of God. What does this mean for us today? Well, what a joy it is to be who you are, to live out the life you've been given, to act like the child of God that you are. It's a great joy to live for Jesus, to live for him. You don't need to fake it. You can be who you are in this world. No one likes a fake, no one likes being in a situation where they feel like they need to be a fake. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you need to fake it? I grew up in the western suburbs, Lara grew up in the northwestern suburbs and this one time I we went to the city to a fancy restaurant and I had escargot as an entree, snails. And I thought I'd try it just because what's the big deal? And it was hideous. (laughs) Now, you might really like escargot, and I respect that. I do. I don't like escargot. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know what half the things on the menu were. I don't know why we were there. I wish we'd gone for a palmy personally. (laughs) And I respect people who can really enjoy those fat food. I can't, I was faking it that night. I was faking it. Um, now, when no one wants to fake it, and we don't need to fake it as Christians. We can live for Jesus. Don't deny yourself. I shouldn't have denied myself a palm or fish and chips that night, but I did. Don't deny yourself living for Jesus and the joy of living for Jesus in each and every situation. People will reject you. People will misunderstand you. They—they they must. They don't have God's word. They don't have the Holy Spirit. You've got to expect that. But it's such a joy to live for Jesus in each and every situation. It's such a joy to have the hope of eternal life, to understand what's going on in this world because God has revealed it to us. It can be difficult and it should be difficult because we live in a broken world who hates Jesus. It will be difficult. But see what, God, what love God has lavished on you And live for Him with great joy and enthusiasm and motivation and energy. God is love. He is all light. There is no darkness in Him. All that is good, all that is true, all that brings lasting joy, all that is truly satisfyingly, eternally eternally pleasurable comes from Him. He is so good. And His promise to us is true and lasting. He will see us through. To eternal life, He will strengthen us day by day to live for Him by His Holy Spirit. True and lasting joy comes from loving loving others from the heart, the new heart that God has given to us. We have the immense joy of being children of God, that is, living in God's grace. And we have the immense joy of living like children of God, of living out God's grace. That's our mission as a church, to live in God's grace, to live out God's grace. And it's joy to do so. I want to finish by reading to you Psalm 16. And you can look it up if you want, or you can just listen along. It's entirely up to you. My bookmark's falling out. I'll put it in there. Psalm 16. I didn't bookmark it. Here we go. We'll find it. It's in the middle. A miktam of David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the godly who are in the land, they are the noble people, in whom in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen.